some of the... Um... I think so. What's going to be my suggestion? Over yeah, 500 days. Because I'm, I'm not disappointed to see Lois stuff be the one that they beat either. <laughs> no, true. No, they were quite Team. negative when they played against us. So, uh, yeah, Team in the, the back thing. end of nowhere. And uh, don't worry, they'll be they'll be coming back. So the, <laughs> the the ting has gone, which means we're about live now. So I can play, and I believe I'll be able to record in real time uh, the jingles. So uh, you guys will have to take the prompt after I've finished talking. Okay. Let's give it a go. Okay. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Nodley Podcast. It's episode 46. We're back again, and uh, it's Chris and Smith out on the road down in sunny Western Supermare this week. And uh, as always, uh, it's me, James Barkley, in, uh, in Bracknell, Berkshire, and uh, a few games to talk about and uh, quite a few uh, managerial things this week, I think. And just up the M4 from James, it's me, Rob Overfield, and... Uh... He's just happy for having a rest after the busy week that uh, has landed in his lap. Oh, that sounds intriguing, that does. Uh, thanks, everybody, uh, for last week. It was a bit of a bit of a last-minute thing that uh, we had to uh, postpone the recording. Uh, I was a bit disappointed, but uh, family, unfortunately, uh, comes first. Uh, not unfortunately, could have been... Really. Could have been priceless Ranty Robber last week as well with the uh, <laughs> set blatter and video technology, but uh, mm. thankfully we've managed to uh, managed to sidestep that landmine. <laughs> well, we have for now because uh, yeah. isn't it, it that uh, guitar have been put, somebody's realised it's bloody hot, <laughs> and so they're not really going to do the football there or for the World Cup. Oh, don't know, God knows. <laughs> I think there's a lot of talk, a lot of people passing opinions, and not many decisions are made, but. Uh, there's definite potential for, um, would we even say, a fatality on the pitch due to the heat at, this, at that rate. And if the FIFA are happy with that, well, they'd be the ones to be responsible. Well, we're not here to talk about them. We're here to talk about non-league. And uh, I was uh, actually uh, went on tour last week. I was at Bridgewater for the FA Cup game. So I'm just up the road at Western Supermare. They didn't have a game. And so I thought, oh, FA Cup... I'll go down to Bridgewater and uh, it was quite an intriguing little game because at the weekend, I think we'll see in the uh, Hattrick watch, uh, they were mentioned and uh, Bodmin Town, who they were playing, were 3-0 up on the 13th in the uh, first game at half-time and then Bridgewater came back and uh, really turned it around and... uh, Drew three all, but I think Bodman missed the penalty in the dying minutes as well, um, in the original one. So the the replay was down there at Bridgewater last week, and Bodman took the lead and still ran out two one losers. And so uh, Basingstoke are making the trip down to Bridgewater a week on Saturday to play the second round qualifying, and it's just one of those games that you just love the FA Cup for. Yeah, that won't be an easy tie either for uh, for Basingstoke. Um, that'll be, a, I think, Bridgewater, especially with it being at Bridgewater. I think they might fancy themselves there for a bit of an upset. But yeah, um, we, as you say, we didn't record last week, so there's been quite a few games and quite a few goals that I've seen because um, we had the uh, the ten goal 
10 goal game at Hampton. Um, yeah, what there. happened? I couldn't believe that when I saw that coming across <laughs> it, the wire. It was a well, it was one of those. We lost the game 6 4 to uh, Leiston, Leiston, Leiston. However, you, I, I'm, a, I'm told it's Leiston over in Suffolk. Um, I mean, it, as I say, we lost the game 6 4, but it's one of those where even though you lost, you'd have been gutted if you'd missed it because it was just bizarre. Uh, I think, was it two all at half time? I think. And then in the second half, we had six goals in a 23 minute spell. And I was just incredible. Um, then that was on the Tuesday. Then the Saturday, I went to Binfield, just on the other side of, uh, of Bracknell, and saw them win 4 2. Um, then I saw Bracknell Town win 3 1, and then Hampton win 2 1. So plenty of games, plenty of goals in the last fortnight. It's been fantastic. I have to admit, um, any game after that uh, Tuesday night game would have been uh, was a bit of an anticlimax as far as I was concerned. I was just pleased I didn't have to report on that one for the non-league paper. Um, <laughs> if that had been a Saturday afternoon trying to get 10 goals into just over 220 words, that would have taxed anyone. So I, think, I was well. I think you'd only be able to get the names of the scorers in, wouldn't you? And that'd be it. <laughs> it well, and, and the times and the ref Maybe. and the players, and that's it. <laughs> It would have been madness, but anyway, yes, I mean, after that game, we then had the joy of the FA Cup, if memory serves. I'm, yeah, VCD, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah which um, turned out to be quite a quite a pivotal game in the Beaver season, and we'll come on to that later. Um, then we had a game at Hendon on Monday night, got a draw there, which is never a result to be turned down. Then on Saturday, a rather tasty little win against... Um, Stoke United, which are, again, a tough opposition, but more to talk about as far as Hampton goes later on, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it is one of those weeks, well, because it's a, a two weeks, so we're doubling up the episode. Um, I saw Trinity rather unfortunately lose after a long trip down to Oxford. Um, things could have been different if we'd had a penalty or uh, just one of our many shots had actually just uh, hit the right side. Um, and then Staley, we had Stader Bridge uh, on Saturday the 20th and like you, Rob, I do the match programme and each week I do a head-to-head thanks to uh, one of our supporters who's been studiously putting together all the results since the year dot for games with Trinity and Staley Bridge are one of those teams that we've got a losing record against by a lot by a huge goal margin but we uh, actually won the game 2-1 and so everyone was ecstatic um Libby had such a great week last week and uh, she won the Vanarama uh, pick of the month for the picture she took at Oxford. And so she collects her prize um, on the 4th of October oh, at, the, at the North Home. What does she get for that? Uh, it's, a, it's a framed photo and certificate uh, presented in, in the next home match, uh, which I think the one it worked out best was the 4th of October, uh, which is our next home one. So that was pretty good. It was, it was a, an if you go onto the conference web app, you can see the one with, uh, I think it's six feet, all in a circle, uh, celebrating Rainbow Laces Day, uh, which is the, um, I think it was it, the Gay um, Footballers Sports Network's idea of uh, promoting um, equality uh, for the uh, gay footballers. And I think that 
Liam Davis, who plays for Games for Trinity, is one of the few in the country. Uh, who's... Yeah, didn't we talk about him last season? I think we probably will out, have done. I think, yeah. Uh, well, he came out many years ago. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, well, it came out in the news, I think, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it was a big thing. And uh, so she's been really chuffed with that. She's had pips, pictures on the BBC website as well. And uh, I'm just thinking, she we won the Gaines for Trinity letter draw, so she won 250 quid, which goes straight <laughs> back to the club. We can pay for all the player sponsors that we do. Uh, and then we did match ball sponsorship on Saturday, and she won a further 30 quid uh, on the uh, <laughs> raffle. So I couldn't believe I hope it. she's got a lottery ticket. I was going yeah. to say, what was the lottery numbers she had? We did try that one, and she only got the bonus ball. Which obviously oh, is fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, she's like, yeah, I mean, looked at that picture. It's a good picture. That it is a good picture. It was yeah. innovative, is uh, the way they put it. And of course, her day job, she's a driving instructor. So Vanarama were even more chuffed that um, somebody who teaches people to drive the things that they lease out uh, were very impressed by it all. So she was uh, very. Happy and it's been a good week for her, and it was her birthday. Uh, so <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't going to mention that, Chris. And I promised her. Well, it's all right. I don't care. I'm married to her, so I can mention it. And I'm <laughs> 250 miles away. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> so, moving on to uh, what's actually gone on this week. It's well, I think. Sorry, I say this week and it's two weeks, but I think really we're going to concentrate on the big thing today is going to be the managerial merry-go-round. But there's a couple of ones before uh, we just mentioned what happened there. There was something kicked off at Stafford Rangers last week and in their FA Cup match against uh, Tividale. The second half was delayed by uh, an hour due to a theft um, from the dressing room. And uh, reading into this, the Staffordshire Rangers change rooms are next door to the cricket club. And the cricket club also suffered a theft. But I just imagine you're coming in at half time and it's just such a shock that, well, hold on, where's all my stuff gone? Hmm. But... Uh, the good news is all their players appear to have at least got all of their uh, phones and stuff back. There was cash and other personal effects which haven't been recovered. But uh, it's interestingly that the cricket club, um, all their phones, mobile phones from the cricket club and all the ones from the football club were found in the, the ball bag. Um, so the bag of balls that they've got in one of the spare changing rooms. Um, obviously, I think whoever took them realised that I can't really get rid of those, and so it's um, time to move to leave them alone. Hmm, it's not a nice thing to come in and find, isn't that? But uh, well, it makes think, do they not do they not lock the dressing room when they come out for the game? I I couldn't see whether they did or they didn't, but it obviously appears that. There must be something along those lines that they maybe don't. Oh. I know at Hampton, even though the changing rooms are you know right right buried in the depths of the um, clubhouse, um, the key to the dressing room is always given to the respective teams, and they lock it up on the way out. So it's very much a case of you know even though there's lots of people around, 
it's you know it's far better to have things locked up and done and and left safely rather than take a chance yeah it is it is an interesting point that because i often think when i'm arriving at uh, the northome or the sorry gainsborough martin and co arena as it's now ridiculously <laughs> titled um the thing when i arrive there i often think that the player's entrance isn't really secured and guarded and maybe it should be locked and the players should be coming through um, the main door where all the directors come because at least then there's somebody there stopping and challenging anybody who looks a bit, well, not looks as suspicious as such, but just asking, who are you with? Where are you going? Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's... um, It's not what you want when you're coming in at half time, is it, to find that you know you've had an intruder come in and steal steal your personal effects? And you know, as the story said, you know, as you said there, the phones nowadays you can you can track them with uh, with apps and and GPS and what have you. But it does say you know the wallets and the money and and things are, are still missing, which obviously you would expect uh, the cash to to go and and stay gone but at least you've got the phones back because no matter how much cash you had in the wallet the phone would be the most valuable thing there yes definitely so i mean you know money money can be replaced but you lose you you know if your phones you you know you pride and join it's everything to you to lose everything on that not only you know just for the phone itself but everything that's on it yeah, I mean, you could, have, you know, like my phone. If I lost that, you know, there's photos of my of my six month old baby, and you know, and my and my, elf, and my son as well. So mm. Mm. you could probably get them back through iCloud or whatever. Oh, you know, uh, but... Well, you could ask those hackers to get them back from iCloud <laughs> for you. I'm not a celebrity; they wouldn't be interested in. <laughs> I'm a, and I'm fully clothed. I can assure you, in all of them. Yeah. Moving on, moving on. Well, let, let's let's move on. Uh, we've got two stories which are they're not linked as such, but they do um, resonate with each other. I'm not sure whether the first one one of you guys put in, but it was about uh, the 72 year old linesman from Wroxham as their kit man gets in there to save the day and uh, keep the game going. Yeah, I am. Um, I assume Rob might put this one in. I have, I've heard about it. Um, I think it was a, it was a couple of weeks ago now that I think that he took, uh, he took charge. He used to be a fireman. I think he's been at the club for, for 40 or 50 years as a fan. And, uh, and now, now as you say, he works, the uh, he works as the kit man. Um, he's a fully qualified. He was a, you know, he's a referee up until recently, uh, just a few years ago. So he is fully qualified to do it. Um, but the, I think one of the um, the assistants had been called away due to a family illness or a family emergency of some sort. So they um, they had to find someone who could who could run the line at short notice, and he didn't do a bad job at the uh, at the age of seventy two. I mean, if I, if I can uh, run up and down a football pitch for ninety minutes at the age of well, at half of a football pitch for for ninety minutes at the age of seventy two, I'll be uh, I'll be delighted. But it's one of those well, stories. Think, yeah, I don't think I could do it now, and I, and this guy could give me, <laughs> no, over, give me nearly you know twenty odd years on that one. Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, good. I mean, that's just again, it's just a good example of what non-league can be about. The yeah. guy well, probably, probably was just looking forward to an afternoon of sorting out the kit, sweaty socks, you know, shirts with mud all over them, and <laughs> he ended up running the line. I think. 
I think if you'd asked him honestly which you would prefer, I think he'd be hard pushed to actually call it. <laughs> I think it's the love of the game, though, isn't it? He's yeah. he's seventy two. He's spending his Saturday doing that for the love of the game and the love of the club more than anything. Yeah, and, well, the thing is as well, if if he hadn't stepped up to do it, the game wouldn't have gone ahead, would it? So, it's, well, it can do according to the rules. I can with just one. Can. This links into our next story uh, from the Evo Stick, uh, Division 1 North, where Darlington were handed the abandoned match that they played on the opening day, where um, they were away at Warrington, I think it was. I'm not sure where they were. Yes. Uh, no, I think it was at Darlington. Actually. I'm confused now. Uh, but yeah, it was at Darlington, yeah. They were playing Warrington Town, and the referee was injured and normally in this case what would happen is um, the senior linesman would take over the referee's duties and as we saw at the Wroxham game um, somebody else may run the line or not need to run the line if if necessary Uh, but uh, Warrington refused to play on and asked for the match to be abandoned which the referee duly did and uh, the... uh, Disciplinary Committee uh, of the Northern Premier League uh, have awarded the game to um, Darlington with the result standing at 2-0, which it was at the point at uh, that time. So Darlington have got three points. Warrington have been slapped with a £1,500 fine with a further £500 suspended until the end of the season um, as they decided that uh, there was no good reason to not continue the match as the uh, as you just pointed out Rob that the the referee although he was injured the senior linesman could have taken over mm. and uh, the match continued mm. i mean i have seen this um at a hampton game actually um i think sometime during last season we were playing at met police at imber court and the uh, the assistant actually got injured within the first 2 minutes <laughs> So it was a case of, you know, like I think he caught his studs on the AstroTurf strip that they put on the touchlines these days, and there just was nobody else there to, you know, to run the line. So the uh, referee continued with one linesman and him keeping an eye on the, you know, the other, you know, the rest of the lines. So it, it can take place, but it's got to be with agreement of both clubs at, at the same time, and the, the referee is happy to do so. Um, as it's turned out, Warrington decided that they weren't going to settle for that and they didn't want to play anymore. So, you know, the, this is the um, Northern Premier League disciplinary panel yeah, basically telling Warrington, you know, you've been you've been really stupid. You could have finished the game. You didn't want to. We'll take £1,500 off you. And that's a big fine um, for the Northern Premier League. Christian, but that is a big fine. That is a huge fine. It would surprise me, but it's only fifteen hundred pounds now and five hundred pound at the end of the season. Yeah. So it's not, it's not even that. And if you think it's, that's what almost a week's playing budget. Mm. And, and they could have avoided all that by just let by just agreeing to finish the game, you know, with the referee and linesman or senior linesman and his assi- and the other assistant could have carried on. It could end up costing them a lot of money, and um, I bet they're feeling, you know, a little bit stupid about the belligerent attitude at the time, which I think is, you know, well out of order. Points wise, uh, presuming that the table has been updated, um, 
it means that Darlington are sitting eighth and uh, Warrington are now sitting eleventh. Um, so it's not affected them from a standing in the table point of view. Uh, but overall, it's yeah. it's more of the embarrassment of uh, having to do that. Now, I think next week, if it's a slow news week, we're going to go for a little bit of a, we're eight, nine weeks into the season. We're going to see where our teams who we picked are not oh, doing. God, I hope it's a, hope it's a heavy news week. <laughs> <laughs> because I've just looked at a couple of them, and I think I looked last week, and I think James is winning overall. With, uh, oh, really? Yeah, where your team is. Well, Wrexham and Chester are playing as we speak um, because obviously the English Wales match between Wrexham and uh, Chester is worthy of being live on BT Sport, yet the Lincolnshire derby between Lincoln and Grimsby last week wasn't. And I know it's upset a lot of Lincoln and Grimsby fans that. That. Uh, there's a there's a no love lost at the minute between any of them, but let's move on to what we see is the the big talking point this week is the oh let's see what what were we on they were already what eight weeks into the season for a, a lot of clubs and. As we expected, at the end of uh, August, early September, is when all the first round of changes start happening. Uh, I think, in my guess, it's going to be the end of December will be the next round of changes as the they start looking into the run-in uh, as far as the new year is concerned. But there's been a massive number of management changes. We'll get what to some which are close to our hearts very shortly. Um, but if I start with Brig, uh, Brig Town, they're very close to me and uh, they're very close to our current manager at Trinity. He played for them, managed them for a number of years. Um, now, I think we, we mentioned them last season when they had a very strange thing happen there. They The manager left and they had a triple management team. And I think one game saw Paul Grimes then go off to Grantham, uh, and which left uh, Scott Helliwell. And it also left his... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, it also left uh, Scott Barlow uh, as joint managers. And last week, or about 10 days ago, um, when they lost to Rainer's, uh, Rainworth Miners Welfare... The uh, Scott Barlow, he decided, well, okay, we'll call it a day. He cited family and work commitments, which is the nice way of uh, putting it, but uh, he decided that he was unable to do And it's actually a lovely club, and uh, it's a very nice uh, nice thing to, nice place to be. It's a nice position, and they're all really friendly there. But they then got thumped absolutely thumped 10-0 in any league even Sunday league is a very humiliating defeat and they suffered a 10-0 defeat on the 13th um, they'd already been out of the cup um, but uh, then so Simon, Scott Halliwell who was uh, the sole manager in charge at that point um, decided okay I will call it a day um, it was a 10-0 defeat at the way at Gresley FC and uh, he then decided to um, 
stand down. And so now the Zebras, as they're known, are looking for a new manager. So it's it's a sad situation and to go on, but you've gone from having three people in charge to having nobody in charge very, very recently. Yeah, the, <clears throat> excuse me, this was on... Um... This did amuse me when I heard this. Actually, it was on the uh, on the BBC Non League show at the weekend. Um, they, as you said, they, when they took over, I think we spoke about it, as you said when it happened. There were there were three of them in charge, um, and because they all played every game, um, they hired an assistant manager as well. Um, when was it? Um, who was it that left first? Paul Grimes. Was Paul, Paul Grimes. He actually was. He came to Trinity for and was on the bench for two games before he then returned. He came from Brig to Trinity for two games and then returned to Brig uh, to become the uh, joint manager. Before I think two or three games later, leaving and going to uh, Grantham Town. Right. Okay. Cause it, it, this is a bit of a managerial merry-go-round in its in its own with this because, as I said, it, the they had these these three managers, and then they had they had an assistant. Um, then, when Paul Grimes left, the assistant was promoted into the managerial trio, and they got another assistant manager in. And uh, when the other two left, and and Scott Halliwell was on his own, he brought in other assistant managers and things. And now it's one of those assistant managers that's in charge now. So it, it was a, it was a, a whole little ecosystem of managerial merry-go-rounds on their own. It was um, yeah, it was. Uh, quite amusing when I was reading about that obviously uh, it's never nice when they lose a job and I believe that he's still going to stay on as a player I think he said because um, he was only yes. he only 29 I think if I remember yeah, rightly he, he's only a young person so he's yeah, not uh... so he was going to play for another two or three years at least and then and then look at going back into it so I mean you know he stepped up when the club needed him um, and he, stay, he stayed on as long as he feels he can but he, even even if he'd won ten in a row, you know, you lose a ten game ten nil. I think um, I think most managers would probably fall on their sword. To be honest, I I, I know there's some that you wish that would that that haven't. Um, <laughs> but linked into that, I'm going to jump down. Uh, I know you're both looking about Malden and Tiptree, but I think linked into this is the fact that two weeks ago, Gresley win ten nil. And then on Saturday the twentieth, their uh, manager quits, <laughs> which uh, I think surprised me. They've not had the greatest of starts, um, but they're sitting mid-table, tenth uh, in the Evo Stick South, and uh, their manager Martin Rowe resigned uh, just ahead of their trip to uh, Gaul at the weekend, and. Uh, so I'm just looking that his uh, assistant Wayne Thornhill has t- taken temporary charge. Uh, they lost four two um, on Saturday, um, but uh, it's a, it's a strange situation once again. When okay, it's been up and down, but you win ten nil, and then a week later you quit your job. Yeah, it's mm. just reading that story. It's, uh, it's you know a lot of these at this level seem to be uh, seem to be for this. It's personal reasons you know i know uh, i know when we get a bit further down the running order and we're talking about uh, as i mentioned earlier binfield will um you know i'll be saying it again it's it, it it's not for for results that that is gone it's um you know it's for personal reasons and we see it so often at, the, at this level that you 
family life and, and obviously the, the, the job that pays the bills comes comes first and it sometimes does mean that that the manager can't give the time and the effort that, that the club and the team deserve and you know it does it takes it takes a, a big a big man to, to say do you know what? I can't I can't do it. I can't commit can't commit to it and I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to go. So you know credit credit to Martin Rowe. Um he, as you say, it was a bit up and down, but I mean, he wouldn't. His job wasn't in any threat. But matters off the pitch uh, tend to uh, tend to rule over everything at this level. And I'm sure if if things can uh, settle down for him a little bit, then he'll he'll be able to get back into the game. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those ones where you, know, you never really know exactly why. Um... You know, Martin Rowe was doing a good job there at Gresley. You know, they were mid-table. Okay, they hadn't won away from home, but they were, you know, they were, you know, they were steady, looking as if, you know, with a run, give it half, and you know, half a dozen good results that could be there or thereabouts, and you know, on the edge, you know, close to the playoffs. So it's got to be for personal reasons, and it's sad when it, when it, decision like this has to be made. But for the manager to decide himself. Um, you've got to accept what he what he's come to the conclusion of, and what he's decided to do. Um, it's been a it's been a yeah, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, I assume at Grizzly, the way it's been going. Big win, manager then what decides to leave a few uh, a week or two later. So it makes you wonder what's going to happen next. Yeah, they're they're not in the advantage uh, of uh, the. Us guys have when work and family commitments uh, well, get in the way of our of uh, doing the podcast. We can say, okay, we'll skip this week. Uh, it's not quite the same when you're managing a, a town or a, a team. And uh, so, yeah, I, I fully appreciate that, especially at our level, there's a lot of things which mean that the guys are part time. They've got to look after the families at the end of the day. And. Uh, <laughs> We don't like talking about this area of it, and we are going to come on to ones that are close to you guys, um, but it's unfortunately part and parcel of the job as well. That They know it's going to happen at some point, uh, no matter how much you do. Um, you look at the big clubs, uh, you look at the... Something I've not mentioned, you look at Jamie Vardy tearing apart Man United. Um, well, only two years ago he was at non-league and uh, that made me Thanks, chuckle. Halifax. That made me chuckle so yep. much, that did. Um, <laughs> I have to admit it made me smile a lot today when I was reading the headlines before I got into work. I thought, oh yes, yeah, what a great week it's been for Jamie Vardy. He'll not forget that. <laughs> No, you certainly won't. But again, you know, we, we said it. We said it before, haven't we? You know, that mm. any any manager now with a with a good young potential striker. I know we've got one at, at Hampton in uh, in Paris Mason who's who's looking really exciting. You know, you only have to hold Jamie Vardy up as an example, do you? You know, look look what you can achieve. Mm. You know, the, he's not the only one, of course. You know, we've we've mentioned them before, haven't we? The Dwight Gales and. And in the past, Jeff Horsfield mm. and Jermaine Beckford and the, these sort of players, you know, they they are out there and they can do the job at the very top level. And Jamie Vardy is proving that week in, week out. Yeah, and uh, as I say, just it's, it's not not one that I ever thought I'd see with Leicester winning five uh, three at home to Man United after being two nil down, then three one down. Uh, 
It almost makes me wish I'd watched it. Well, um, yeah, I would have to buy Sky if I wanted to watch it. Uh, it was on. It was on the other end of the pub because we were out for Lib's birthday lunch. Um, but what was it? He made a dubious penalty, assisted, assisted, scored, got a penalty. I think wow. that was what I saw the tweet. Um, so he was involved in every one. Um, <clears throat> So good luck to him and to say good luck to uh, Marcus Madison, who's also made the step up to the league. Um, somebody who isn't making the step up is uh, Terry Spillane, uh, who's left Maldon and Tiptree uh, following their 2-1 defeat to Sol, uh, Soham Town Rangers a couple of weeks ago. <coughs> He's left by mutual consent and I think, once again, I think it's going to be a theme of the, the next few that we discuss where senior players and the club structure is going to really make it longer process allow the chairman and the board to take a longer process and a more pragmatic view as to who they get in to replace the manager um, because it's going to be the senior players who are going to take charge of the team until they've um, got a replacement there and I've seen personally uh, at Trinity that while the manager is the figurehead and he's the person calling the shots, senior players at our level really make his life uh, a bit easier and allow him to concentrate on a lot more than what goes on rather than uh, being stuck. Um, they're trying to do everything and all the press interviews, etc. they need to do. Yeah, like like I said, this, at this level, you know, the senior players could almost, um, could almost do it at... Uh, the majority of clubs, to be fair, um, it's, it's a shame. I mean, they're down what nineteenth um, in the in the Ryman Division One North at the minute. So they not had a not had a great season. Um, what they won three out of their twelve games, um, five points off the bottom. So it's it's not been a, a great start. But I wouldn't. I'm not really sure what their expectations would have been this season. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have said they would have been. Much more than maybe mid-table, but you know he's he's obviously decided that between you know between himself, you say it was mutual consent in uh, in quotations. They've obviously decided that that they've gone as far as they can with each other, the manager and the club. And uh, you know if it's been nice and amicable, then then that's one thing. And again, I, th- I don't think he'll be out of the game for long. Cause he's quite a quite a well-known name down there down in the south, so he, I'm sure he'll probably get a get another chance somewhere. We're going to jump around a little bit because I want to get some good news uh, going. Um, where we're looking at uh, Dorchester, where Gary, sorry, Graham Kemp has uh, been appointed as their new manager. He's there from uh, Sydenham's Football League, so the Wessex Premier Division, and uh, whereas uh, managing Ham- Hamworthy United, which uh, I think is such a cool name. And he's going to be assisted by uh, former caretaker boss Stuart Heath uh, as he's uh, made the step up to uh, take over at Dorchester. And uh, Bridgewater, I just, ah, damn it. I've forgotten the guy's name now and the programme is at home. But Bridgewater was actually mentioned on the management merry-go-round because uh, Cheltenham Town, or sorry, Chippenham Town, the management team at Bridgewater are the reverse 
as what they were when they were at Chippenham Town last season. Oh, what, so the manager's now the assistant and vice versa? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. I saw, it, I saw the guy's name and I thought, I know him. And so I looked at, oh, <laughs> he was at Chippenham and he was manager and now he's assistant, Nathan Rudge. Right. <laughs> oh, that'd, that'd be interesting. So that was, yeah, I, f- I thought that would be uh, amusing that uh, he was manager and then became assistant, and <laughs> the other guy was assistant and became manager. So it's, uh, but back to this, uh, I say Graham Kemp, he's uh, move up there. <clears throat> so we wish him the best of luck as he's taken over there. Kids Grove, uh, we've also mentioned them last week or the week before, as it is now. And they've appointed Paul Moore as their manager following uh, Neil Gill. And, uh, <coughs> sorry, um, he's taken over. He's was at Leek and Warrington and Congleton, so he's got really good experience as far as uh, the uh, non-league scene in the Evo Stick Premier Division and also the Division 1 North and South. So I think he's going to make a good impact there as uh, he's taken over. And we're also looking at Colville, where Glyn Renex has decided that uh, Jimmy Gray is going to be appointed on a full-time basis. And uh, AD, and, sorry, Andy Turner, who uh, was the assistant uh, to the former boss, is uh, going to continue being there. And they are going to be, or his first game in charge was against Belper Town in the FA Cup on the uh, 13th. And I'm not certain that it went the way that uh, Belper Town would have wanted. Yeah, um... Yeah, Belper Town have lost their manager as well, haven't they? Peter Duffield has stepped down after a 5-1 defeat at Buxton. Uh, Saturday just gone. Um, They're league leaders now, Buxton. Wow. Okay. With two former Trinity players there as well. <laughs> that's, that's the reason they're top men. Well, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily say that. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> Duffield is no longer manager there, Peter Duffield. He's uh, been at uh, other ones. He actually was knocked out. So Colville won the FA Cup tie. And uh, then, obviously, they lost at the uh, league leaders to, well, send Buxton to be the league leaders. So it's understandable somewhat that uh, he decided to call it a day. Yeah, they, they've... Um appointed, well, not appointed, but they've handed full control of first-team affairs to striker John Froggart um, in, in the caretaker role um, to replace Duffield for now. Um, he was the leading scorer in First Division South last season. He got 32 goals, which is uh, impressive. Um, but he's obviously got ambitions to, to move into the dugout in the in the not-too-distant future, so it's a, it's a good chance for him to, to show what he's made of. Um, he'll know the club well. And obviously, you know, top scorer, you'll, you'll certainly have the respect of your of your teammates. So I'm sure he'll be uh, it'll be a good short term employment. And if he uh, if he gets some good results while he's there, then if you know, you never know, he might just uh, might just end up with a job on a permanent basis. It it would be interesting to see, and. Something he, somebody who hasn't got a job on a permanent basis anymore, 
is uh, Dale Bedford. Oh, sorry, Belford. He has parted company with Tamworth uh, after Tamworth are languishing down there in the relegation zones from the Conference North. Uh, we were hoping to have an interview with a Tamworth player uh, this week to see how a player reacts, because we've seen it from a fan perspective um, as to how the fans react when they have new managers. Uh, but uh, we're hopefully going to have uh, Shane Clark of Tamworth. Um, he's going to do an interview for us, and we'll, so he'll be here um, next week uh, so we can discuss that. As we can see a player, how he reacts to having a change of manager and whether they are affected psychologically by what goes on there. Because Dale Bedford, or Belford, sorry, he saw them relegated last year out of the conference and into the conference north they are i think third bottom in the conference north so to me as horrible as it may sound it was a there was an air of inevitability about how long he was going to last as oh they've they've climbed up they are now one point above the relegation zones so uh, hopefully Shane will be able to give us some uh, insights into the dressing room and how that reacts to a change of manager. And uh, we can only see how uh, Liam Daish coming back into Nuneaton is uh, going to make a difference to the club. They uh, announced today, I believe, we're recording this on a Monday again, so uh, once again it's nice, uh, that we see... Uh, Say Liam Daish has taken over at Nuneaton Town following uh, the departure uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, of their manager. So he's well known, isn't he, guys? That uh, what do you two make of this uh, with a name like that coming back in? Yeah, I think this is. Um, I'm just looking at the uh, the story now on the um, on the Coventry Telegraph website. He's got a impressive uh, beard and moustache going on, hasn't he? <laughs> um, but yeah, Liam Dash was always... Um, <laughs> I didn't recognise him. <laughs> I know. He, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? He's super. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he was, you know, he's a, obviously he's a, a cover, bit of a legend in the mm. Coventry area, played for them for a number of years and was always... I, I suppose with hindsight, you could always see that he was going to be a manager from how he was on the pitch. He was always, you know, vocal and mm. shouting at players and... Um, where was he before? He was at Ebb's Fleet, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, he was at Ebb's yeah. Fleet. He's, he's quite experienced. Yeah, yeah, for quite a, quite a while as well. And the Neaton have certainly got some ambition, judging um, judging by the headline. It says, um, or the, the, yeah, the sub, sub-headline, it says, um, Chairman unveils five-year scheme to reach a football league by 2018-19. Um, so <laughs> it would appear that this appointment of Daesh is... With that in mind, um, whether obviously whether he's um, he's still there in five years remains to be seen. But <laughs> he's, he's obviously been appointed with a view to it being a big part of of the chairman's plan. Um, otherwise, you know, you wouldn't announce how would you when you're appointing a manager. You wouldn't say, "Look, we've got a five year plan. This is our manager." So he obviously impressed at the interviews. Um, I think he. I think he's a good manager at this level. I, um, I think it'd be a really, really good appointment. Uh, he was, he, he has a, a lot of experience. He was um, eight years. I'm just looking on his Wikipedia. He hasn't got a, a 
a beard or a moustache mm-hmm. on his uh, photo on Wikipedia. He looks an awful <laughs> lot different. Uh, but he was at Ebbsfleet for, for, what, eight years. Um, he had a bit of time at Welling as a caretaker manager and then was a joint manager at Haven at Waterlooville for a few years as well. So his, his non-league management career stretches back to 2000 as a manager and uh, a year before that as a player. So he, he certainly... Mm-hmm as well as having, you know, the inevitable contacts that he'll have from from his time in the pro game, but he's got he's got a decade and a half in the non league game, so he is non league mm-hmm. you know, non league through and through in that respect and I certainly, certainly think he is a fantastic appointment for them. If I was an Eaton fan I'd be I'd be very excited for this uh, for this five year plan. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's a really good call there by uh, by Nanit, because it's clear to see that they're definitely an ambitious club, and with good reason. Um, you know, they've definitely got something that they want to uh, show to the world that Nanit uh, just isn't sat there in the shadows of a lot of the bigger clubs in the area. Um, five years, mm, possibly a little bit, little bit ambitious on that one. Seven years, I would have said, yeah, okay, give you that, but. Before that, nah, it's going. To, I think it's going to be a tight call for them. So to be honest, you know, it's a good call, but is the timetable too ambitious? Uh, I think it's five years as they escaped two years ago the drop. They escaped last season the drop, and they're now sitting, um, what, in twenty second, five points off bottom. So. Um, I can see why five years probably allows for them to drop down and come back up again, um, which could be the case. Uh, I will say part of me as this angst as they only are in the conference premier because they beat Gainsborough Trinity 1-0 at the Northam in the playoff (laughs) final. Um, (laughs) So I just look, that could be us sitting there in 22nd in the conference. Uh, so that is something now I know the next couple of ones uh, you have uh, a bit closer to home and uh, you two hopefully will be able to uh, shed some light because um, you've already mentioned uh, about Binfield uh, James haven't you where uh, Mark Talentire has stepped down yeah um, as I said I was I was um, I was at the lovely little ground um in uh, just as I say, it's just at the other side of uh, of Bracknell. It's um, took to took to away down a down a little non non surfaced road. It's um, yeah, you, you wouldn't know it was there if uh, if you didn't have your sat nav on. Uh, you would never find it. It's um, it's a shame because Mark Talentai is doing a really really good job there. Um, they're certainly amongst the favourites to get promoted out of the uh, Hellenic Premier League. Um, unfortunately, again, it's it's down to solid work commitments and personal life for him. Uh, unfortunately, he's been in charge for five years. But the 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 good thing for the club is they do have uh, some continuity, some stability, because his assistant manager uh, Roger Herridge will be uh, stepping up to the role with immediate effect, um, and it'll be it. It's a, it's a managerial change, but it would be one that will have a very, very small impact on the club. Um, as as I say, you know, he's been he's been there for Roger Herridge has been there for I think for about a year and a half as assistant. So he knows how things have worked, and um, 
it's it's a, it's a yeah, it's the obvious it's the obvious step forward for them to for them to take. Um, I believe Mark is going to stay on at the club at some point. He's going to you know he's going to remain part of the part of the infrastructure of the club, maybe as a coach or something. But he just can't commit to being the uh, to being the manager anymore. Which you know we we said a little bit earlier, didn't we? You know that that happens more and more at this level. Um, in the summer, uh, the at Bracknell Town themselves, you know, their joint managers at the time, uh, Steve Nebbett and Danny Oliphant, they they quit as well because of uh, work commitments and things. So it's, um, in fact, every club I support has changed their manager this uh, in either in the summer or in the first few weeks of the season. So um, yeah, it's 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 sad for for Mark. He was doing a brilliant job, like I say, five years in charge, and they they got themselves into a position where they they're looking like they. They're amongst the the favourites to go up, but fortunately, you know your life off the pitch takes takes precedent. And I've met I've met Roger when he was being at Bracknell, and uh, yeah, he seems like a thoroughly decent bloke as well. And I'm sure he'll take the club on, and it's in it's in really good hands. So it's bittersweet, I suppose. You know, it's sad that Mark's gone, but at least you know at least Roger Herridge will step up and uh, and take the club forward. Hopefully he will. And uh, the final one before we move on to the one which I think is going to be a major talking point uh, for those close to Hampton and Richmond uh, is a rather strange one where the manager has stepped down and the chairman has taken over down there at Walton Casuals where, oops, uh, the wrong thing. Uh, where, where basically Mark Hams has stepped down and then the chairman has taken over running them uh, with Tony Gale and uh, he's taken over the day-to-day running of the uh, team but still says to Mark Hams he's got a big future at the club. And this is down in the Ryman League, so do you two know what's going on down there? Uh, <laughs> I haven't got a clue. <laughs> uh, as, as I, haven't say, admit, I haven't got it. No, I mean, I mean, it, look, I mean, Mark, Mark Hams. You know, it, it's not a surprise that he's he's gone. The, you know, they they lost nine in a row at the start of the season and and were bottom of the league. Um, but Tony Gale's obviously a managerial mastermind because uh, you know he he steps up to the plate and they win. So he. Um, He'll be thinking he's manager of the year now, won't he? Uh, um, Is it the fact that the guy who's paying the wages properly is in charge <laughs> now? And yeah. uh, in answer to your question, uh, um, before we started, James, Neil Hams is the younger brother of uh, Mark. Yes. They were a management duo who are brothers. Yeah, it was weird because on the, on the Eastman League website, it, it just says uh, Mark Hams and his assistant Neil Hams. It doesn't say that the brothers, I mean, they look... Fairly similar, you know. Looking at the picture in this story, you'd, you'd guess they were brothers, and obviously, this, you know, they are. But it, it was just a bit bizarre that on the league website, it just says Hams and his assistant Neil Hams. It doesn't say his assistant and brother. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think Walton Casuals have, you know, I think they've got a little bit of money behind them. So, um, you know, a nine-game losing streak is is not what they would be looking for. And to be fair, I'm kind of surprised they lasted that long if they were losing every game. Yeah, I uh, I agree with yeah. you there that it, it does surprise me uh, that it's has gone in as far as that has. 
So uh, it's <coughs> oh dear, sorry, I'm quite coffee tonight. Um, but uh, Tony Gale, he's you may you may I know you jokingly said about there being a mastermind. He <laughs> is um, quite uh, well. Let's say he's 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 the former West Ham, is he not? I'm trying to work out who. I'm not sure. Is it the same? I think he's the same man who's a Sky Pundit. Um, trying to see. Now. I'm trying to check. I <laughs> don't think he is, but he, that could be. Oh no, he is. Well, yeah, that he's picture a, looks he, very, the, yeah, very, no, very he, similar. His, his Wikipedia page does say he's a, he's a director of football, at, but then at Walton Casuals. But of course, I don't know when that was last edited. So yeah, it is. Yeah, it did. It did. I did wonder when I saw the name, and I was like, Nah, surely not. That's but, what yeah. I was trying to check <laughs> while you were yeah. talking. Yeah, um, but then, but then, to be fair, you know, Paul Merson, he used to play for, for one of the amateur teams where I used to live in uh, down in the Chiswick League. So Paul Merson's still kicking about in, the, in football. Yeah, and and that's the thing, people do. You yeah. you've got it in your blood, and you just drop down and you go to Sunday League, and it's it's like one of those adverts. Uh, I think it was was Ian Wright on a. Or the Nike advert where they're all playing on the Hackney Marshes. Yeah, well, it's um, Jonathan Greening, uh, the, the ex-Man United player, again from the from the non-league football show on the on Five Live at the weekend. He was on. He now plays for. Oh, I can't remember the name of the team he plays for now. Apologies, but he's just I'm joined. The clue. No, he's just dropped down. He had offers from league clubs, but dropped down to play for for the same team that that his brother plays for um, because if you know he. Fits his life, you know. Training Tuesday and Thursday, playing Saturday. Um, his, his brother Joshua, I think he's got something like ten goals in three games. So, but yeah, I mean, as you say, just because you're getting on a bit doesn't mean you still can't do a job. Uh, Tad Castro, that's who he's playing for. Tad Castro, I knew it began with a T. Uh, but yeah, it just shows you know you, you can keep playing as long as you want to. Um, you just, you know, you might have to drop down a fair bit, but if you've still got the passion and you still want to lace up those boots on a Saturday and a Tuesday, then, you know, you will always, always yeah. find... You, if, if you were a decent level player, your name alone will find you a club if you've got that passion to play. Yes, and it's it certainly is the way um, that you can keep going and you can always find somebody, which is why non-league is so important, because having the big names come down, even if they're not in their prime anymore, just builds the buzz. Mm. But I think now we really get to uh, the story of the week, <laughs> where I received a message on, was it Saturday night? Or was it Sunday yes, it would be Saturday evening. It would be Saturday evening, Kristen. From Rob, um, pointing me to an article on the HamptonFC.net where Paul and Darren depart. And I think this is one of the few times that we have the opportunity to actually talk about something that, well, you two know a heck of a lot about, um, (laughs) rather than just conjecture. Now we get to hear a bit more what actually goes on. Yeah, so I mean, take I'm, it I'm, away. I'm going to let Rob take the lead on this one because he was <laughs> uh, he was at the game in question. But I do, you know, just on the record, I just you know I want to thank Paul and Darren for Paul Barry and Darren Powell for 
for everything they did, they were, you know, they never once shirked um, a program note or, a, you know, me and Rob approaching them for anything. They were absolutely fantastic. And I'm com- absolutely devastated that things haven't worked out for them at the, at, at the club. Um, and, uh, you know, Rob will say the same. We, you know, nothing but the best wishes for them for going forward in the future. Yes, I'll agree with that. I have to admit, uh, that's uh, the Saturday afternoon for the VFA Cup. It was slightly surreal in a way, in the fact that you know before the game, everybody was fairly positive and feeling that there was definitely a result there to be had, definitely you know, chance of going through to the next round. And for some strange reason, um, the players just didn't really seem to turn up 100%. Oh, they were there 95%, but it wasn't enough. And um, in, in the end, they lost 3-2 to a team that was actually a bit worse than us in the league. Um, they'd only got one win all season, a bit like we had. And and yet we managed to get back to 2-2 and then go down 3-2. Um, but the thing that started making me wonder what was going on when... The dressing room door didn't open after the players went off until 5.30, a good 35 minutes after the final whistle, before any sign of life from the Hampton dressing room. So I thought, oh, something's going on. And um, I was talking with um, a friend of the club, um, who does a lot of non-league camera work, a chap by the name of Ravit, um, with his... Um, Website football exclusives. Excellent. I'm not sure I get me free plugging. Other than it'll get me. It'll get me something. It might get me a drink next time I see him. <laughs> and um, sh- apparently he'd approach. Sorry, he's the future <laughs> guest on the show. Yeah, yeah, he'd be a good one to get on. He's, a, he's a lovely bloke, and uh, it's a fantastic website, and they're doing a brilliant job. And unfortunately, he can talk as, well, as much as me. <laughs> <laughs> but I ran into him. I ran into him at the VCD Athletic. You know. You know by the pitch side and apparently you know, Paul had come out of the dressing rooms and was walking along up to the clubhouse and Bavit of course said you know have you time for a few words Paul and he just said straight up to him I've quit um, and carried on just kept on walking and that was it and I didn't know that at the time and a few minutes later I went down to see, went down to see and then this is what I was told so I thought well, what you know? What happens now? And um, it wasn't confirmed officially to me until about 9:30 in the evening when the chairman rang. But it was a bit of a surreal experience to be sat on the coach, knowing that the manager, who hadn't come on the coach home, was no longer the manager. And um, you know, everybody was talking about the following game, which turned out 48 hours later. Uh, uh, the press the press office the press office had to kick into action very quickly that night. <laughs> I only so heard was, about um, the forty-eight hours later, Rob. I didn't quite catch what you said. Um, yeah, I'm having a bit of a connection issue tonight. For some reason, you know, the connection isn't as stable as it usually is. No, it's a case of we un- everybody was talking about there being a game forty-eight hours later, playing away at Hendon. And but it's and it's um and it's going to be uh you know what we're going to do so it's case what was going to be the action so as it turned out you know things changed very quickly <laughs> yeah they certainly did it's uh you know and then 
following day, I happened to be down at the club. I was doing some, you know, some basically representing the club at the chaplain's Sunday morning service, and uh, we got to the ground for lunch and about to eat, and there was the chairman Steve McPherson showing the new manager around the club and ground, and I'm sure James would love to mention who it is. Uh, yeah, so um, I mean, as I say, gutted for, for for Paul and Darren that things haven't happened, but absolutely delighted with the new manager because we've got the uh, the former Kingstonian boss uh, Alan Dowson. Um, he's very very quickly been appointed. Um, as Rob said, you know, it was within within 24 hours. Um, time had to be of the essence as. Uh, we, you know, we had the game on on the Monday night because Hendon ground share with uh, with Harrow Borough, so uh, Hendon tend to play on the Monday night for their home games. Um, and I, th- I think the plan was for for Alan's first game to be uh, this Saturday just gone, but he was uh, he was having none of that. He wanted to be in charge for the Hendon match, so you know, he he had no no problems meeting the players in the dressing room before the game for the first time, and um, turned out to be. a Pretty good appointment uh, already because he, you know, he managed to rally the troops to a to a late equaliser in a two-two draw at Hendon, which, um, as Rob said in the at the top of the show, is is no mean no mean feat. Um, and then on Saturday, uh, it was a far from perfect display, but we we beat Easter at United two-one. Um, it was just nice to only come see one goal at home for a change instead of the uh, the fours and the sixes that we have been uh, have been doing, but. Uh, it, you could just you could just tell from the from the warm up. I mean, it, from the pre match warm ups, the the players were were laughing and joking and jumping on each other, and there seemed to be a massive massive shift in the team spirit. Uh, with, you know, with hindsight, you you can it's easy to say. Um, I I don't know why things went wrong under Paul and Darren towards the end, but. You know, unfortunately, it's, it happens with most managers these, these days. Um, but yeah, we got we got this win, um, and of course, with Alan along along with Alan comes uh, comes Martin Tyler, uh, a name familiar to, to most most fans as he is the uh, the Sky Sports commentator. Uh, he's long been a long been a coach in the non-league game. He was with Alan for for seven years at, at Kingstonian. Um, and he's now he's now on the staff with him at, at Hampton, and there's a there's a real buzz about the club. Um, he's he's from he's from Darlington. He's Alan. He's from the northeast, so he, he's you know he's a no nonsense northerner. He uh, he knows exactly what he wants to do, and he's already making his mark on the squad. Um, I, I believe there's quite a few players gone. Um, I won't name names because I don't think we've had official official cancellations through yet, but. I've, from what I understand, there's quite a few gone, and he's already brought in three or four on varying uh, varying contracts and uh, length of contracts. Should I say? I think there's a few on loan and a few on loan with a promise to it being a bit of a longer deal or even permanent. And and it, it it's there's a real buzz about the about the squad by the look of it now. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game uh, on this midweek on Tuesday night, um, which is probably today as the podcast goes out. Uh, we play in Enfield Town, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to meeting meeting Alan for the first time. Um, unfortunately, I had had the kids and baby in the pram, so I couldn't really uh, couldn't really go into the dressing rooms and the manager's office on uh, on Saturday to meet him. But I'll make a point of doing it to, uh, on the Tuesday night. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a really really good appointment. When I first heard that this was possible, I was 
you know, this, that Alan was in there mentioned, uh, I kind of did a, you know, I've enjoyed the floor a little bit because it, it, it's a pretty, pretty well-known name in, in these parts. And it, it's, you know, it's a good experienced manager. Like I say, seven years at, at Kingstonian. You know, he's, unfortunately, you know, he was, he, he failed a couple of times narrowly to get them promoted, um, which I think prob- possibly led to him leaving. I think he, you know, it was one of those uh, missed out in the playoffs again. That's it. I, you know, I've taken him as far as I can and, and power company. And he's, um, I think he's, you know, I think he's a fantastic appointment. And uh, just the excitement in the uh, the fans. We had a, a big increase on the on the gate on Saturday. You know, good hundred and. 180, 190 extra on the gate, and it just seems to be a real buzz and some real, you know, that old new manager buzz about the place. But I think people are really, really impressed with this appointment, and they're very, very excited about about where this uh, where this could take the club. Sorry, muted myself, and Rob's uh, connections died. <laughs> I was just listening. Um, so. I think it's it's a great news that Hampton have already got somebody in place because the longer it goes on, the worse it becomes for the players. Uh, and obviously we'll find out when we discuss next week um, with manager Les Tamworth, uh, one of their players, how, how they feel about um, going on with not knowing. And um, it's, it's the thing, and not hopefully getting inside the mind of how they think because with somebody you've had a rocky start to the season I will be truthful um but you guys survive well you guys are in a better position now than what our manager at Trinity was last season because we lost was it seven on the bounce at the start of the season and we stuck by him and he's still here today and we're what three four points off the playoffs yeah that's the thing isn't it i mean it can work both ways i mean i'm sure if we you know it, you know let's let's be clear paul paul and darren quit they weren't they weren't sacked whether it was in the you know i can't put words in the chairman's mouth results would suggest that possibly it would 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 start entering entering the chairman's mind that the things you know, might need changing, but you know, categorically, they they did resign of their own accord. There was, you know, and Steve McPherson, uh, our chairman, there said it was a it was a horrible phone call to have to take on that on that Saturday night. It was a horrible conversation to have to have with with Paul because I really don't think he wanted them to go. I really, really, as much as it's the, some of the results were awful, I really, really think that everyone at the club desperately wanted them to succeed there was there was never ever ever from what i could see any murmurings of dissent from the fans towards paul and darren they fully supported them and you know i mean it probably helps that darren you know as a legend at the club having played for us um he started his career with us what 15 years ago before going on to the top level of the game in the premier league and you know and he came back uh, and played in the 50 odd games for us in his second spell so the, the fan, the fans are still right behind them, and we, and we, you know, we are gutted when, that they've gone. But you know, life goes on, doesn't it? Football moves on, and 
as you as you say, the longer it goes before you appoint someone, you know, the, it, it, things can start to uh, to go sour. And I think it might have been made that little bit more urgent as well in the fact I, I, I don't really think we had anyone in the in the dressing room like like we had. You know, you might get a senior player to step up. We didn't really have that. The only one we would have had would have been Stuart Lake, but he left in the summer uh, to go to Wingate and Finchley because they offered him a player coach role, which is what he wanted, um, and we uh, we couldn't offer him that at the club at the time. So, you know, if if we'd have still had him around, then then maybe. But when it, when someone like Alan Dowson comes available, and you know, if if you read Steve McPherson's uh, comments on on the story on the on the Hampton website, you know, he was. So so enthusiastic about coming coming to uh, coming to the club and and starting uh, what should be a really, really exciting few years now and he's he's coming for for the certainly for the long haul I mean seven years at Kingstonian certainly suggests that he's he's not just going to come in and, and disappear at the first sign of trouble I think he's 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 certainly going to take take us places and. I cannot wait now for for the weeks and the months and the seasons ahead. I think it's going to be a fantastic journey that he's going to take us on. It certainly will be very interesting to see what happens there, but I predict another casualty out of all of this, and that's going to be the guy who does the highlights for you guys uh, on a Saturday, he's no longer going to be allowed to commentate because you've got a professional commentator there. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, on uh, on Saturday, he, um, Ravit from Football Exclusives, who, who we mentioned earlier, he um, he went downhill on on Friday night. Now he normally does the camera and he brings the commentator with him. Um, so the commentator came with the camera and was looking looking for for someone to to do the camera um, so he could do the commentating and get the highlights uploaded quicker. And I said, well, why don't you do the camera and get Martin Tyler to come up onto the gantry and do the commentary for you? And he's like, oh, no, I don't ask him. <laughs> I said, like, well, it'll be a bit different for him. You know, he'll be up at Manchester City Chelsea the next day. So, you know, he'll get a good view upon that gantry game to come up and have a, a commentary on it. Well, that, that's the thing. It's, as I say, you just, uh, as soon as you mentioned Martin Tyler, I either thought, is Andy Gray or... Um, Andy Townsend going to be next, or Alan Smith, I think, because of course he does the FIFA uh, for the football game yes. on the uh, PlayStation, yeah. etc., uh, on the Xbox and everything. He does the commentating for that, and obviously until Andy Gray got in his bother, uh, he did it with him, and then he now does it with Alan Smith. So I think- well, it, it's brilliant because um, my uh, my five and a half year old son Callum, he. Um, He's starting to to find out the delights of FIFA, and um, he's. I don't think he's quite got his head around the fact that the man who's talking about football on the TV is actually at, at his his beloved football club now. So, looking forward to being able to uh, to introduce uh, to Callum, and I'm actually looking forward to meeting uh, Martin Tyler myself. You know, he's he's a big name in the game, isn't he? You know, and he's he's non-league. You know, he is although he commentates on Champions League finals and the Premier League. He he has got his roots in non-league, and he, by it's all accounts, football. he's a football yeah. Man. But by all accounts, he's a really, really good coach as well. And you know, he was out there the whole time in the pre in the pre-match warm-up on Saturday. He was, you know, he was there alongside uh, Alan Dowson, and he was, you know, he was cheering the lads up. And at the end of the match, he made a, a massive point of uh, 
of cheering, you know, of clapping, uh, clapping our ultras as we, uh, as we like to call them, that stand behind the goal. Um, yeah, he made a real point of, you know, of, of applauding the fans and and letting them know how much they appreciate. And even at the end of the game, they they had a big post-match huddle for a, it was almost ten minutes. They were sat that, you know, they were stood there in a circle with Alan and Martin, you know, chatting to them and giving them a little bit of a post-match um, briefing and. You know, rather than just traipsing straight off the pitch, and you know it was fantastic. And then that gave all because we were attacking the end of the pitch, so the opposite end to the tunnel and the dressing room. So that gave all the fans a chance to get back down to uh, to to the clubhouse end of the pitch, and we, we were able to give them a you know fantastic reception off off the uh, off the pitch down the tunnel. And it, you know, it was there's just such a buzz around the stadium now. It, it's He's gonna. I can't wait. <laughs> I just cannot wait now to see what happens. And that's and that's the idea. Um, even behind, obviously, Paul and Darren resigning, it's what. Well, let's create that buzz again. Let's get everything started. Um, we're gonna gonna move on. If that's okay with you, uh, yeah, we've, absolutely. We've lost yeah. Rob uh, for this foreseeable. Uh, hopefully, he's back next week. Um, <laughs> so. I think now um, we can move on to. I just realised you can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was playing it in my head. If I haven't. yeah, you're playing it in your head, and I'll actually click the button this now. Time. It's time for hat trick watch. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I can hear it. It was it came a little bit late because uh, we're not used to jingles. But uh, um, yeah, hat trick watch. We've mentioned a few things already. Uh, who are going to ingress on this? Uh, the first one actually is Bodmin Town. Uh, Sam Matthews. This was what alerted me and gave me the impetus to go last Tuesday to Bridgewater to watch it, where he scored a 15-minute hat-trick in the first half uh, against Bridgewater for Bodmin uh, on the 21st, 26th and 36th minute, yet they still lose the tie overall and uh, go home with nothing. Uh, so it's it's a bit of a shock for him. Um, Danny Dubidat, and he was... Oh, what a name. That's fantastic. And I'm positive he was involved last season in Hat Trick Watch because of the name. It's one that sticks in your mind. <laughs> uh, he grabbed all three goals for Baldemir St. Michael's in their FA Cup uh, first qualifying round. 3 uh, 0 victory uh, at. Uh, sorry, uh, he he plays for Bedworth, not Baldemir. I can't read what I've written here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, James uh, Robinson from Witham Town. He scored three for Bowers and Pitsy uh, against uh, against Bowers and Pitsy in their four 0 uh, victory. Uh, Lee Skellern of Norton United scored the uh, two got. Hold on, I'm a bit confused there. <laughs> I'm scored three I goals. I don't know. I, I really got three goals in a two-two draw. You can tell that I helped Libby with this, and I did all the FA Cup ones because they're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I'm, uh, I assume they won three-two. Yeah, they did beat Corby three-two. Um, <laughs> despite the fact it says two-two in my little notes here, uh, Robo Tall of Burgess Hill Town, uh, they beat Croydon three-two away, and he scored a hat trick in that one. 
Uh, Liam Hope of Enfield. Felix and Walton won't like uh, him because uh, they conceded five and he scored three of those. And uh, see, all these are FA Cup first qualifying round, so it's always the fun stuff. Uh, Sam Conlon at High Town. He managed to grab a hat trick in uh, their 4 0 victory over Whitstable. And Sam Mulready formerly of Gainsborough Trinity, uh, scored a hat-trick for Kings Lynn, and who's played there for about two or three seasons now, uh, in their 7-0 victory over Boston Town. Now, it's not Boston United, uh, but it's still Boston losing, so I'm happy. <laughs> and strange one, this is uh, Maidstone, who are obviously in your league. Franny Collin scored three in their 10-0 demolition of Littlehampton Town. Uh, so it's quite scary for everybody else. Now, I believe that was played on their surface, wasn't it, down at Maidstone? Uh, yes, on their um, controversial 3G. Uh, yeah, I mean, Maidstone are, are top of the uh, top of the Ryman Prem. They're five points clear at the minute. And Franny Collin is a... Is a Exceptional Prolific. striker at, at this yeah at this level he is you know he's fantastic um, yeah I'm not sure what I, I can't remember because I know the FA said that they were able to play qualifying round games but once it got to the first round proper they'd have to find alternative arrangements I can't remember if that's been changed this season I, I know that was the case last season I don't believe it has because I don't. Th- think the football league has officially said yes to 3g so if they do get to the i mean it's you know it's a long way away from happening yet but if they did so they, they would have to find alternative arrangements then i believe so like they have done for the last couple of seasons anyway yeah so. yeah but i mean it's a shame we only got one hat-trick in that game really you know it's 10 goals and I couldn't. There were there was a lots of goals as you expect in the first round proper. There was an eight one seven one six two, and there was loads of them that had no hat tricks. So I think there was one that had six different scorers in a seven one win. So, <laughs> so they don't make our job easy. Um, Bill Medlock down there at Tunbridge Angels. Um, once again, Daniel League. Uh, they won 6 0 at home to Herne Bay. He grabbed a hat trick in that. And this one is from this week. All those other ones were from the 13th. Uh, so they would have gone in last week's podcast had uh, things not gone differently. But uh, this one was on a Tuesday night replay where, oh, see, I've, see, I've typed this one as well. It says Chaz Town instead of Chase Town. Um, David Kolininski, and I know he appeared on Hat Trick Watch last season. Yes, he certainly did. Uh, I don't think he played for rugby, though. No, I don't think he did. But he definitely did. So obviously, he's gone to rugby and carried on his goal scoring. He scored all three goals for rugby uh, as they beat Chase Town three one. Now. I found this rather amusing when I was I was helping Lib out again because birthday weekend she gets it off, um, so all the other all the other leagues are probably wrong down to me as well. Um, he scored in the first minute, and then Chase Town equalised uh, in second half, and then he didn't complete his hat trick until 
the 102nd minute of the tie as he scored in the 97th minute. Uh, so that's certainly a long time, but hat trick's a hat trick. Uh, yeah, um, I've just while you're just talking about that, I've just been looking uh, on the Clipper uh, Town website. He, Kolodinsky, he's only 25. Um, he, he re-signed from Bedworth United. Uh, he had a couple of seasons away, but he re-signed for rugby in October 2012. So if we did mention him last season, it would have been for rugby. But it looks like in his two seasons prior to this, he scored 35 and 39 goals. So prolific is not the word. He's only 25. So, you know, you talk about these strikers getting a chance in at a higher level. Maybe people should be having a look. Sorry, rugby fans, but maybe, uh, you know. Well, if they've got him on a contract, rugby fans, you can get a couple hundred grand. Mm. Good money. That's all I look at. And uh, so that's all there was in the cup competitions. If we have missed one, or rather I've missed one because I'm doing it this week, not Libby, um, please uh, tweet her and blame her uh, at Lipster Park. <laughs> That'll be far more fun for me. Uh, so we're going to move on. I couldn't find anything else in the cup competitions. Uh, we're going to move on to the conference uh, where John Akinde of Barnet. Now, I think that was your top. Was your tip for the uh, for the title? Was no, I went, I went for Wrexham. Oh, and I went for Kiddy. Uh, and Rob so, went for Bristol Rovers, I believe. Oh, so none of us have gone for Barney, but they leading the way with two hat tricks with John Akindi getting the second one of those. They uh, beat Alteringham 5 0. Um, now, interesting one with this. It's 30 minutes, 44 minutes. Well, it's actually 45 roughly, but it's in the first half, so it must be uh, 44 when he scored a penalty. And then he scored the first minute of the second half. <laughs> so it's it's one of those uh, interesting ones. 15-minute hat-trick there for him. I was really worried with our new spreadsheet that we're going to find somebody who doubled up as it been two weeks. But uh, there were a couple of them, um, like uh, Newsham, uh, Sam Newsom, sorry, at Needham Market and... Uh, and there was another. The, oh, Franny Collin grabbed two in midweek as well, so I was quite concerned. But uh, <laughs> one who didn't was Stefan Moore, formerly the uh, Philip Exfiller. Well, I don't know where he played, but I know he played for Brackley and scored a goal, two goals against us last year. Then moved to Leamington and scored a goal against us when he played for Leamington. So uh, yeah, not, Aston Villa not QPR, yeah, yeah, it's the same Stefan Moore. Not a friend of Trinity, let's put it that way. Or, or Gloucester, as he grabbed a hat-trick in their 4-1 uh, win for Leamington uh, on the 9th. So we're looking at a uh, t- couple of Tuesdays ago now, so nearly two weeks. Stefan Moore's had 14 clubs in 14 years, including Sill Hill 4th 11. <laughs> well, team of the week this week uh, plays against uh, somebody who's had, what, 30 Clubs in 14 years. Well, when we uh, get to that, I will yeah. tell you who yes, that, who yeah, that is. I, oh, I can't remember. It. Yeah, I know you mean, yeah. I know who it was. He was yeah. booed every moment for calling uh, the town that uh, my team plays in a um, not very nice name for going to the toilet. Let's put it that way. <laughs> 
but let's go back to the conference south with uh, St Albans City newly promoted this season uh, Lee Chapel grabs a hat trick as uh, St Albans beat uh, Maidenhead 4-1 including one in the last minute just to sneak one in uh, now Evo Stick North I think we have our player of the week this week now I know we've already mentioned Belper in the podcast they uh, lost their manager they won the won the FA Cup but on Tuesday the 9th um, Luke Benbow of Stourbridge scored all four goals against them in the first half to uh, as far as I'm concerned call him um, player of the week partly because the week before he scored a hat-trick as well so uh, you can't really say he's doing his part to ensure Stourbridge uh, progress yeah no definitely um, you know hat-tricks on successive uh, successive midweeks I think yeah yes. um, yeah certainly um I suppose he could almost, you know, only seven days apart. So yeah, definitely, that's um, yeah, I'd agree with that. That's, uh, that's quite an achievement, especially four in the first half. That's uh, that's some going. Um, they obviously stepped off the gas a bit in the second half. Though. Well, I'm not sure. It could be three in the first half and one in the first minute of the second half. I don't know how Libs uh, put that one in because I didn't do that because it's that long ago now. Um, but. Here's an interesting one as well. We're looking at Shaw uh, Tutton. He didn't play for Trinity, uh, one of the uh, Buxton players. He grabbed a hat-trick in the second half in 16 minutes against uh, Frickley as uh, Buxton run out 4-0 winners on Tuesday the 9th. And then Frickley's uh, Gavin Allert on the 16th ran out uh, 4-1 winners over FC United and Manchester. So... That in itself is pretty astounding, but he grabs a hat trick in um, mostly in the second half. But so I'm not really sure what's happening. We're going to have a little chat, I think, about our predictions, but I'm not sure what's happening with FC United. I think they're bottling it before they even get to the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, frickly, we're bottom going into that game. Um, yeah, and, and FC United have been very, very despondent. Drawn us so many games. So I think they drew the first four or five. Um, I know they won on Saturday. I think they've, um, I think they've, I think they've won three games so far this season. But like I said, they, they drew the first four or five games of the season, and yeah, just um, they lost. I know they lost their, their centre back pairing from last season. Um, I think one of them, Charlie Raglan, went up to Chesterfield. Um, I don't even remember we talked about their midfielder Ollie Banks, who went went there last season. Ollie Banks, uh, former of Trinity. <laughs> The Gainsborough Trinity podcast, and, uh, so yeah, um, the the I think they I think they're just struggling to um, to replace the players losing a, a little bit at the minute, and and you know there's there's nothing to worry about for us. I think they they're still I think sixth or seventh or only a couple of points off the playoffs, so they they you know they they're still in in touch. Um, they they do tend to. Um, have a little bit of a slower start in the second half of the season. It's a bit like the um, the full time club that they don't like, um, or that they were set up in opposition to. They always seem to do that, didn't they? Have a kick into gear after Christmas. It certainly happened for them last season for FC, even though almost almost 
took the title and then lost in the playoffs for the fourth season running. So it's got to take its toll eventually, hasn't it? And they keep losing their players and it would appear that they're maybe not quite replacing them like for like in terms of quality. So have to see how they do. But I'm sure they'll uh, they'll be still up there in the top five at the end of the season. I'm I'm sure they will. I do only jest because I love the way every all the setup and the way everything's going. And bearing in mind, they've got a new stadium that's in the process of being built as well. So drop back a bit again. Was it? it was supposed to be this month, and now it's looking at November, December again. I think. Yeah, it, the, I do a lot with construction industry, and you're lucky if you get them to mention the year they're going to build it <laughs> in the month. Yeah, I, mean, I suppose you know if if you get a bit of inclement weather and that's just going to cause all manner of problems at certain stages of the building process isn't it i know i think probably when they started i think they were probably hit with with heavy rains you know for the time of the year they started it so i guess they were behind from day one really but once they get that once they get that up and running i think they'll be uh they'll be they'll be off and away and don't forget that all those manchester united fans who would be working they'll be crying every week because they're doing so badly so (laughs) Uh, we'll move on. The Evo Stick North um, couldn't be bothered to score any hat tricks. They've not actually had any since the uh, mid. That's a month that? now. Yes, it's like four weeks. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that Aidan Savory uh, doesn't uh, score any goals this Saturday as okay. they are coming to the North Home to say hello in the FA Cup. Um, <laughs> but uh, what we'll do, Daniel Cope. He is at Stafford Rangers. Now, midweek, they didn't have any thefts down there at Stafford, but uh, they did go across to uh, Kidsgrove and really, well, well they beat them 6-0 uh, as they were managerless at that moment. Uh, and uh, Dale Co- Daniel Cope rather scored a hat-trick in that game. Now, another league that's been quite miserly as far as hat-tricks concerned... Um, obviously, Conference North has, but uh, Ryman Premier, nobody's scoring uh, down your way. Now, I know that uh, Tom Bridge Angels were in FA Cup action, uh, so but nobody scored in any midweek games either. No, and I'm, uh, you know, I think Rob uh, Rob messaged us. We've got a little uh, podcast group on WhatsApp, and the uh, the night of that six four, I think he messaged you the match details. Um, Set of ten goals in the hat tricks. Uh, we're sharing the goals around a bit in the in the Ryman Prem at the minute. Um, you know, Charlie Moon's not quite hitting his top form at the minute, although he's certainly getting his mojo back. Um, I'm sure we'll be mentioning him in uh, in this feature soon. Well, I hope for the fact that he's your son's favourite player that he <laughs> does really start doing something. He scored the winner on Saturday, so he got three points if that counts. Well. <laughs> All the points count. We don't care who scores them. Um, we're going to move down this to the Ryman North. And uh, Chris Newby at AFC Sudbury, he grabbed a hat-trick in a 5-1 win over Great Walkeringham Rovers. And then Saturday, it just appeared that everybody wanted to have a hat-trick if you wanted to play for Haybridge, Harlow or Needham, that is. Um, with... Uh, Neil Richmond of uh, Haybridge Swifts scoring three out of the uh, four goals as they beat uh, Burnham Ramblers 4-1 uh, away. And another, I don't know what happened at Harlow, but I would have loved to been in this match, a 6-3 win for Harlow over Dareham Town. 
who uh, I believe travel to Boston United on Saturday uh, in the FA Cup. And uh, Alex Reed grabbed a hat-trick in that one in the first half, which is always good. And uh, Sam Newson, I've already mentioned him, he scored two in midweek last week. And so I was quite concerned that I'd have to try and work out how to fit him in with a hat-trick against Cray Wanderers uh, at the weekend as well. But uh, three hat-tricks on Saturday and uh, one in midweek for them. I think they win uh, the the uh, run of number of hat-tricks this episode, uh, the Ryman North. Uh, in the Ryman South, the first hat-trick of the season goes to uh, a little friend of the podcaster, Ross Allen, down there at Guernsey, as they beat uh, Three Bridges 8-1 which for a league game is uh, a good result. Although Guernsey have uh, had a couple of losses since then, because uh, that was on the 10th, so it was last Wednesday, and I think they lost at the weekend as well as they uh, travelled away. Southern Prem, um, they were a bit boring and didn't bother to provide us a hat-trick. <laughs> but uh, never fails, Southern... Uh, sorry, Southern Central. <laughs> what are you on tonight? <laughs> Southern Central. Well, I'm, I'm trying to read the uh, South and West, but I haven't got there yet. Um, now, <laughs> Linton Goss. I'm, conf- I'm confused now. Which Linton did we decide it was the other Linton, wasn't it? No, I've got Linton Goss, according to Libby, should be um, Player of the Week. Yeah, you gave it to uh player who got two hat-tricks two Tuesdays running, I think. But I think his name yeah. was Linton as well. I'm going to have to go back now because I'm... Because <laughs> I'm concerned. No, it was Luke. I think she he gave it to down, Linton yes. because... Uh, yeah, because he was a substitute, wasn't he, Linton Goss? He was, but also she sponsors uh, somebody called Linton at Trinity. <laughs> Fair and enough, good she, reason. And she was trying to rub in the fact that I said I was going to this game and didn't get there. Oh, and it was an eight, And it was an 8-1 win. <laughs> gutted. I remember I was once, uh, couldn't make it to an Ashford, mid, Ashford Town Middlesex game and they won 10-0. So I know yeah. your pain. Well, I, I said I was going to try and get to Aylesbury and uh, I didn't. And they won 8-1 over Leighton Town with uh, Linton Goss scoring four goals. Um, he scored as many as Bedworth United scored on the Tuesday night, and this is where I've got Danny Dubidat from, because not only did he score a hat-trick in the FA Cup on the 13th, he'd already scored a hat-trick for um, Bedworth. Well, he can be the player of the week for last week then when we didn't record, I because I think he would have been if, if we hadn't well, recorded. Two hat-tricks in a week, you can't really... What more does Guy need to do? So, uh, I think he can be last week's honorary player of the week then. Well, give them both. <laughs> well, actually, all three of them, because it's that time of night now. So we'll give everybody a app. We'll make them all happy. <laughs> uh, and Brent Solcorn, uh, he uh, plays Kettering Town and he scored three of the five goals as they beat uh, St Ives uh, 5-0 as well. And I think we are almost there now as... Player of the season so yes, far is so. John Mills. 
his yeah. third hat trick this year. He scored as he plays for Didcot Town, and he scored it away at Evesham United um, in a half an hour. He uh, scored all three goals for Didcot as they beat Evesham three one. So at the moment he's running in the uh, player of the season, or number of goals for the season, uh, hat tricks, and uh, George Lloyd. He grabbed a hat-trick as uh, Cinderford Town went riot on Bishop's Cleves with a uh, 7-0 victory on Tuesday the 9th. So, yeah, that was so away from home as well, so that's, a, that's an yeah. incredible win. I never told up the number of goals, but uh, I know it's a double week, but I think Tuesday the 9th had a lot of goals, bearing in mind that all the Southern Central, the South and West, all the hat-tricks we had were scored on those... Th- on that night, and that was the uh, the night of our six four defeat to to Leiston as well. Yeah, all draw, <laughs> <laughs> which I watched on Twitter from Tamworth because Libby was filming while I was trying to do our Twitter feed from Aylesbury. So, but there we go. It's a big hat trick watch this week or double week. And uh, but I think actually that Linton Goss came on as a substitute in the twenty seventh minute, scored four, but he's nineteen as well. And there is one more hat trick that uh, I really must put forward, which was submitted by one of our Twitter followers, Russell Cox. He's Russell WWFC down there on Twitter, and he said that Aaron Bowen grabbed a hat-trick for Rill as they played banger down there in the Welsh uh, games. <coughs> Which I'm hoping we'd got to before Rod uh, Rob had disappeared because he's normally the one who watches uh, the Welsh matches for me. Because <laughs> I can't pronounce English, let alone anything in Welsh. <laughs> and just before we move on to the end, finally, I think... It's now time for you to reveal who you believe should be Team of the Week. Yes, uh, friend of the podcast, I think. Um, they've got... Well, they're, they're approaching 45,000 followers now on their on their Twitter account. Uh, it is, of course, High FC. Uh, they're incredible. Team of the Week, fans of of the decade for sticking with them. They got their first league win in 529 days. And uh, boy, didn't they do it well. They beat Lois Duft 5-1. So Hyde FC, phenomenal. Um, still brilliant as ever on their, on their Twitter feed. As I said, they're approaching 45,000 followers. If you listen to this show and you're not following them, then uh, I can't really understand why you should be. Uh, it's Hyde FC live uh, on on Twitter, uh, get following them. Um, I think there's also an account that says have Hyde won yet or something like that. And it just tweets out yes or no on a, on a Saturday. And for the first time in, in a, a year and a quarter, they've actually been able to tweet. Yes. So, uh, for doing it in, in the style they did with a five one demolition of lowest stuff Hyde FC first league winning 529 days. Delighted to say you're the team of the week. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, I was shocked 
as a lot of the players and fans were at the weekend when we found that Hyde had actually won, um, let alone in such fashion, because we played lowest stuff already this season and they're very hard to break down. So getting one goal against them uh, is more than what we did. And uh, to get five is uh, astounding, although they did slack on the hat-trick. Just one would have been nice uh, to go through. Uh, but yeah, it's it's always nice to see if anybody, as you've already said, James, if anybody doesn't follow Hyde on Twitter, they really should because it's just so much fun to listen to and to read and to see some of the tweets. I think even tonight they were taking the mickey out of one of their players saying that he's not going to make a modelling career. Yeah, because, I just that. Yeah, that was just, I'd been chuckling away uh, before we started re- recording tonight and so... I would, um, if I was funny, I would model myself on them, uh, but uh, I'm not, so unfortunately I can't, although uh, it's always something, so it's uh, Hyde FC Live, isn't it, or something, that uh, they need to follow. At Hyde FC Live, um, that's obviously H-Y-D-E, FC Live, well, well, well worth a follow, It's, uh, it's a fantastic account. Yeah, if you're a football fan, or you just want to have a laugh because the pre-season when they were going on about that they had, I think, Freddie Mercury playing out on the wing for them at one point because didn't have a team sheet. So I'm just going to make up names for who's on the pitch. It's always the way. But that's not the end finally this week. I'm not sure what's going on with this because it's supposed to be playing and now it's just all frozen. I think you're well, just to let be. people behind the curtain. And mind. finally, the part of the show where we take a look at the life to side of non league. Send any suggestions in to add non league pod or at under the league on Twitter. Let's see what we've got this week. Over to you, James. Right, we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, we're good to go again now. I think your, your little message to Rob about getting not on Windows was probably uh, beneficial at this point. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, just to let listeners behind the curtain there, um, unfortunately, I, I can't hear the jingles uh, this evening, so I have no idea if that played or not. Um, but yes, uh, and finally this week is one that I was actually uh, managed to to be at. Um, it was uh, last Tuesday night at Largest Lane in Bracknell. It was Bracknell Town against Newbury. Uh, Bracknell ran out 3-1 winners, uh, a good result. They uh, went 2-0 up and were then down there 2-1 and were kind of holding on a little bit and then broke away and sealed the points. But during the second half, um, there was this rather strange spell where you know, it's one of my favourite things in at non-league where you know the ball gets cleared and it clears the ground and it goes out into the surrounding environs. And um, in the space of uh, well, about two or three minutes, all seven balls had been, uh, had been cleared from the ground. Uh, I know it was seven because that come up in a in a conversation between the fans and the players uh, during this but the match was delayed because uh, they uh, every single one of the balls had been kicked out of the ground and they had to wait for one of the volunteers to uh, to emerge from the undergrowth around the around the pitch from the from the woodlands with uh, with one with one of the match balls to allow the game to carry on so we had a we had a few minute delay while uh, while this was happening um in the meantime, the fans were having a bit of banter with the uh, with the players, saying, "You know, you had seven balls to start with. You kicked them all out of play. 
try getting a shot on target next time and all the all the usual. So yeah, I've um I've seen plenty of footballs kicked out of the ground before and uh, had to be retrieved, but I've never seen the match delayed because every single one of them has been kicked out of the ground. No, we we suffer that on one of our side. Well, all of our sides because they can clear the stand and uh, yeah it's I've never seen one delayed I know when we've started running low and we've got like one or two left because I can see the the bag uh, that contains them all but uh, I've never been to one where we've actually got all of them gone so that must have been quite amusing bizarre little spell I mean it wasn't just all off one side either I mean it was literally at every all four sides of the ground there were shots at both ends that cleared the stands and then clearances out for throw-ins and what have you and yeah and uh, largest lane is on a little bit of a slope so if it does uh, if it does clear the stand it would travel a little bit and there's some uh, fairly big trees and long grass as well so i'm uh, pretty sure some of them are, are probably still there now well that's the thing that uh, how would the referee put that in the match report uh, delayed the game 10 minutes while we went to get our ball back. <laughs> it's it's well, like playing on the playground. Yeah, as long as you didn't have to knock on the next door's door and ask for it back. Well, they, they had a big dog. I never did. <laughs> Always got somebody else to do that instead. But, yeah, uh, yeah it, that is the beauty of non-league. Because I know we got some new nets um, at Trinity, and that was one of the... Uh, the things that somebody tweeted saying that looks like a a, a good sweepstake. We had nineteen go missing uh, at one point last year, and I think it was uh, somewhere down south there. But um, because on one of our sides, we've just got houses behind it, and the embankment's not very big because well, it was never never used, really. It's the way the way fans go, and they don't come. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, definitely something at non-league that happens a lot. But uh, to actually have the match um, suspended until <laughs> till somebody gets the ball, and I wonder whether the club gets in trouble with that because seven isn't that many, really, for to have the balls. Uh, no, and, I, and to be fair, I don't think they were all matching either, so I'm not sure they were all... all, of, all of, I don't want to get anyone in trouble out of the club, but I'm not, you know, I'm not sure they were, they were all official, official match balls. I don't know if they have an official match ball, actually, in the Hellenic Prem. I know we do in the Ryman, I'm not, and leagues are uh, level and above, but I'm not sure if we do in the Hellenic, but they were all a bit... A bit of a mismatch. Some were well worn and and quite faint with the uh, with the print on them. And yeah, I mean, we we do get quite a lot kicked out at, at Hampton and other. Obviously, every every other non-league ground, you'll see seven or eight kicked out during the course of the game. But to, to have them all go disappear in such quick succession that it causes a delay to the game. As as it was happening, I was thinking, uh, yep, there we go. That's the end finally this time because. Um, it's not often you you hear of a game uh, delayed because of because of uh, no ball. No, it, it it's definitely not. But it, it it is the thing I've been worried about in the past as uh, the old uh, centre back goes 
if in doubt, put it out, and well, yeah, now somebody's <laughs> got to go and get that. Yeah, take it to the next level, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 12 7. I know um, next to Bridgewater, I noticed um, along these lines, they actually have um, some netting because they're next door to a railway line. So I don't know whether that's the reason or what, but they had some netting on the uh, pitch side or just over the stand, and uh, they uh, that stopped probably four or five uh, attempted, let's put it over and see where it goes, um, from clearances from both teams. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, in, uh, just to shed a bit of light my day job, I am actually a, a train driver for... I, uh, I could supply most non-league clubs with an endless supply of footballs from people's people's gardens that have come over onto the uh, onto the tracks. I see I see dozens every day. Yeah, so it, it must be it, it must be uh, something to uh, bear in mind for him, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but uh, as per usual, it's been really good uh, talking to you uh, both. I know you can't hear me now, Rob, but uh, it's still been good talking to you and listening to your opinions of what's going on um, where can we find you on the internet James uh, yeah best place at the minute is uh, twitter.com uh, slash under the league and uh, facebook as well as under the league uh, the website is under the league.com but uh, there's nothing nothing on there new at the moment I'm just mm-hmm. finding time to uh, to sit down and write is um, you know it's just getting smaller and smaller at the minute so it's He's kind of just sitting there, not having any love at the moment. So um, I would just um, just like to give a shout out to to Dave Burin, who's um, whenever whenever I post the links up he, uh, for the podcast on the uh, under the league on Facebook, he's always he's always in with uh, with comment of of what we've talked about on the show. So um, yeah, thanks for that, Dave, and um, you know keep commenting, keep downloading, keep listening, and uh, make sure you tell your friends and get some extra listens. No, that's the thing. Um, the more the merrier. Uh, we do not we do this because it's nice talking to each other, but uh, it's also nice to uh, hear what people who are downloading it have got to think and any ideas they've got. Um, you can find Rob. He is available on Twitter. And one day I will find out what this uh, rabid robo uh, is all about. Um, but uh, until then you just have to follow him and uh, if you pester him maybe he'll tell me um, you can always find me at uh, non-league pod um, but the more important thing is that you can find Libby out there on the internet because she's the one who does a lot of the research for this show and you can find her on Twitter at Libster Clark and uh, it's really been a long one tonight, but uh, I think we've got some insight into the managerial merry-go-round. And uh, next week, we'll hope to get some more. But uh, whatever you've been doing, uh, thank you for listening.